0: Good morning. Good morning so uh, we 've been doing a series called Family Matters, but we actually should have called it Human Matters because it really is talking about relationships kind of across the board and and it really applies to everybody and and basically, the main premise um, is that that our homes should be places of safety and healing and encouragement and um, a lot of homes aren't. A lot of homes, a lot of us grew up maybe in homes that weren't safe. They weren't healing. They weren't encouraging. And and today's message is really um, a message of healing that Jesus uh, gives an example of in, actually it's in three of the Gospels, and uh, it's the story of a woman who really struggled for a really, really, really long time. She really, um struggled for healing, she cried out, she did everything, and um, we're going to kind of talk about her and how Jesus viewed her, and in, and that along with how he views us in our areas of um, crying out, I guess, and reaching out in, in our areas of desperation. Um, I'm going to tell a lot of stories today, so do you guys like to hear stories? Stories of God's faithfulness, so can't go wrong there. Um, years ago, uh, they used to do in, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, not, well, they used to call them insane asylums. What do they call them now? I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about, okay, right? Back, back in the old days, they used to call them insane asylums, and they would do this test where they would, they would put the patient in a room, they would turn on the water, full blast, put a stopper in the sink, leave a mop in there, put the patient in there, and close the door. And if the patient figured out that they had to turn the water off and started mopping, they knew that the patient was healthy enough and, and cognizant enough to go home. Whereas the patients who just left the water running and just kept mopping like, I was going to say like crazy, but that's kind of a pun. The one who just kind of kept mopping, um, they, they knew that that person wasn't thinking clearly enough to actually be released. And so today the the woman that we're talking about is the woman you may have heard of it it's in the it's in the gospels and it's the woman with the issue of blood. And I think at that time people might have looked at her like she was crazy. She did a lot of things that were really crazy. Like she spent all of her money to get healed and she did she did some really crazy things but we're going to talk about her today, but also how it relates to us and how the Lord views us and sees us and longs to heal us. Okay, you guys good with that? The first thing is um, we're going to talk about Physical healing, we're going to talk about emotional healing, and we're going to talk about, or spiritual healing and relational healing. And we're going to cover all of it, but I really want you to, to, to when you read this story, read it with the view in mind that this relates to all kinds of healing, not just the physical, okay? So we're going to start, um, this is actually a story that's sandwiched between another story. Mark kind of did a lot of those sandwiches. Like he would start a story and then he'd insert another story and then he'd tell, another, tell the ending of the story. And so in this one, it's, there's a story of Jairus whose 12-year-old daughter is really sick and Jesus is, he, he asked Jesus to come and pray for her because she's so sick. The woman that we're going to talk about today, she was sick for 12 years. So the 12-year-old girl and now this woman who has been sick for 12 years. And then at the end of this story, then it tells the rest of the story that Jesus comes and heals this young lady. There are so many stories in, in the Bible about Jesus going around healing people. And also in the book of Acts, it says that, you know, they they would pray and they would they would see people healed. But we're gonna focus today in the book of Mark, chapter 5, starting with verse 24. So that's Mark chapter 5 verse 24. I'm reading this out of the English Standard Version. Um, If you want to follow along, it'll be up on the screen. Um, It says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. That is Jesus. There was a woman who had, this is kind of gross, but it's in the Bible, a discharge of blood. So she was hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent All that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flood, the flood, the flow, (laughs) that would also work. The flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. So she immediately felt she was healed. She knew it. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around, turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, Hello, (laughs) you see the crowd pressing around you? And yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So here's this woman. This is an actual historical account of a real human being who had this female problem That caused her to be considered unclean. In those days, if you had any type of discharge or whatever, you were considered ceremonially unclean, which means you can't go into the temple, you can't you can't touch anyone else because then they'll become ceremonially unclean. You really you you really are you have to go and somehow make yourself clean. in In the Israelite culture, they took a lot of baths, a lot of different rituals involving cleansing and baths and everything so this woman for 12 solid years had this bleeding and and you you know you think about it from just the practical i mean first of all she would be exhausted so drained, you know, because, because you become anemic from this. Eventually, your body just can't sustain this. 12 solid years. And it says she went to all these doctors, and it only made it worse. She spent all of her money. She tried everything. She was desperate. She was desperate for healing. And, and when she goes to Jesus, she has to, like, sneak. She's trying to kind of hide. You know, she, but she somehow believes if I only touch his clothing, I will, be, I will be healed. I don't know where she came up with that idea, but we're going to talk about some possible ideas in a little bit. But she was unclean, which meant she was a reject, basically, in society. She was perpetually unclean. She suffered for a really long time 12 solid years. She was isolated, she was lonely. You know, I, I, a lot of times I hear people say that they're lonely, that they can't connect or they don't have any friends or, or whatever. I just want to say, um, you know, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. I do believe that there are spirits that will isolate you. They will lie to you. They will, they will divide you and separate you from other people. They will um, tell you that you're rejected. They'll tell you that you're abandoned. They'll tell you that no one likes you. These are lying spirits, and I, and I just want to make you aware of that because they will try to carve you out. Because you know, the, the weakest of the flock, the, the wolves would try to get them separated. The ones who were sick or older, like Chase, or <laughs> they are the ones that the wolves would go after. And it's the same principle, spiritually speaking, the old thing, but the ones that are carved out. If you're isolated and alone, I just encourage you, take base camp, figure out what you're created to do. That's just our way of helping people discover how to use their gifts and talents for the Lord and and to bless other people. Or get involved in a community group. All of these things will help you to get integrated into the body of Christ so that you don't get carved out and open to deception. Because that's really what happens. You're so much more open to deception if you're separated and isolated. And so here's this poor woman. She's all alone, all by herself, she's really super lonely. And the human solutions only made it worse. She was poor. It says that she spent everything she had to get healed. Every, every penny she had, she spent on healing. And then she touched Jesus. Now, why did she do that? Why would she do that? I mean, that's kind of a strange method of healing, right? Okay, I'm going to go touch his clothes, and then I'm going to get healed. I mean, I don't know where she came up with this except for the fact that some say that they believe... Ira, can you welcome my special guest, Ira Popper? <laughs> Work it. Okay. Um, this is Ira, and Ira is wearing... This is called a prayer shawl, right? What's the name of it? Talit. A t- talit. This prayer shawl is something that they wore when they were going to the temple, going to pray. Well, Jesus was a rabbi. He was legit. And so Jesus was probably wearing one of these. Well, these, there are 600, and there's a lot of knots in here, Ira. Should I, should I work that out? That would be I don't super think you fun. Do it now. Okay. <laughs> um, there, are, there are 613, which represent the 613 laws that were given in the book of Leviticus. And what these things are called are wings. And, you know, it says in Psalm 91 that there is healing in his wings. And so this woman, if she was aware of the Israelite traditions, would have thought, maybe if I touch the wings. And, you know, clothing represented um, what, you, what your character was. And Jesus, it says, was clothed in righteousness. So this woman is thinking, if I just touch the wing, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. $5. $5? <laughs> you wouldn't do that to your mother. <laughs> so, so that is what some scholars say, the reasoning behind why she would have come up with this conclusion that she could get healed through, through touching his garment. It makes sense, doesn't it? You guys awake? Does that make sense? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you thank our lovely model? he 's supposed to have a mic, so he could have done that little section of the teaching. Sorry about that um, so anyway so 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 this woman is desperate enough to come and do kind of this unconventional thing to just touch his garment, and suddenly he feels power leave him and and Jesus is God, so he knew who touched him. He knew what happened he wasn 't asking because he wanted to rebuke her or want, you know he wanted to yell at her for like stealing this miracle from him he wanted to touch her because he wanted her to know that he recognized her he recognized her pain he recognized her desperation and that's the same way Jesus feels about you in your point of pain and your desperation he turned and, and this is so beautiful It says that he turned and he said, daughter. Do you know this is the only account of Jesus calling anyone daughter? And this is a virtual stranger. I mean, obviously he's God, he knows everyone, but this is a woman who needed that acceptance. She needed that love. She needed to know that she belonged and that she was part of something, that she was part of this family right? And Jesus calls her daughter. And, and he feels the same way about you in your situation. He wants you to know that you're not an orphan. You're not by yourself. That he hears what you're crying out for. He knows your pain. He knows your, your point of, of absolutely feeling so hopeless and broken in whatever way that is, in whatever area, and instead of coming to him in fear and trembling, he wants you to know that you can come boldly to him because his desire is to give you peace because it says here, it says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And I believe that's the word of the Lord today. He wants to say to each and every one of us, go in peace and be healed. Be healed physically, be healed emotionally, be healed spiritually, be healed relationally. He has healing in his wings, and he wants to cover us with those healing wings. So I'm going to talk about something now. It's, uh, it's a little bit kind of heady, a little bit... Um, on the intellectual side, but I really think that it's important because I think that, it, that you know, doctrine and theology really is, is essential in us understanding what, why we believe what we believe. So you know that there's atheism, right? A-theos. A means apart from or against. Theos means God. Okay, so atheist means apart from God or against God or without God. Okay, yes, you understand that? Agnosto, Gnostics were the intellectuals. The Gnostic, agnosto, means without knowledge. So, agnostic means one who has no knowledge. In other words, an idiot. So, tell your agnostic friends. (laughs) If you have agnostic friends, say don't brag about that. But it means having no knowledge. I mean, it also means not knowing. They wonder agnostics might wonder if there's a God. Then there's deist, which means that they they believe that there's a God, but they don't necessarily believe it's a personal God, or they don't necessarily believe in the supernatural power of that God. Uh, One of the strongest examples in history is Thomas Jefferson. He was, a lot of people say that he was a Christian. He was a deist, which means that he believed in a higher power. He believed in God, But he actually took the New Testament and he cut out all the miracles. He cut out all the supernatural stuff. And then that was this book that he called. This is literally the longest title of a book I have ever heard in my life. This is the first edition. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath before I say it. This is the name of his book. Okay, you got this? The philosophy of Jesus of Nazareth, extracted from the account of his life and doctrines, as given by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, being an abridgment of the New Testament for the use of the Indians, unembarrassed, uncomplicated with matters of fact and faith beyond their level of comprehensions. <laughs> he did shorten it for the second edition, but that was the original title. Can you even imagine? You probably got a cramp just writing that. But he believed that, that the teachings of Jesus were really good, really moral, but he didn't believe that Jesus did miracles. He, he thought that that was kind of weak, that Christians were kind of weak to believe such a thing. Okay, so there's atheism, agnosticism, deism. Then there's Christianity. Now, Christianity states that there is a God but that we are separated from that God because of our sin and that God being perfect and holy can't be in the presence of sin. So therefore, he sent his only son. He became flesh and he lived on earth and he lived a perfect life and offered himself as a sacrifice so that we could be reconciled to our maker so that we could live forever. Okay, that's the gospel. Woo! That's good news. That's, we call that good news, yeah? You can be saved. You can live forever. You can have a relationship with God. But how many of you know that within Christianity, there are a lot of various, various different teachings and understandings of the Bible and interpretations of how people believe? I'm going to talk about one today that I think is really crucial. And um, this one is... It's called cessationism versus continuationism. You want to say that? Cessationism versus continuationism. What cessationism states is that, yes, Jesus did walk on the face of the earth. Jesus did go to the cross. He died for our sins. He did all these miracles when he was on the face of the earth, and the first church did all these miracles, but then they stopped. Then the spiritual gifts stopped. Then the miracles stopped. Healing stopped. Gift of knowledge, tongues, prophecy. Um, You know uh, know where it talks in, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, that really talks about the spiritual gifts. And God spent all this time talking about these spiritual gifts that passed away, that doesn't make sense in my estimation. I am an unabashed continuationist. I believe that the, B- the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that Jesus Christ, when he left this earth, he told us we were going to do the same things he did. And we were going to do even greater things. Not that we were going to be greater than him. But we were going to do the things he did. Do you know how many accounts there are of healing in the New Testament, of Jesus healing people. And so why would he ask us to pray for healing if he didn't intend to do it, right? I believe that cessationism is a dangerous doctrine because I believe that it causes people to doubt the veracity of the Bible because when are you gonna start picking and choosing? Well, when did the spiritual gifts pass away? When did the miracles stop and why? Does it say anything? Is there any way to support that? Am I? Are you guys still with me? You with me? See, see what, what it does is it, it causes us to doubt the truth of the Bible and it causes us to doubt the power of God. And it causes us to doubt the validity and the relationship Jesus wants to have with his kids, with his people. And so I believe it's dangerous because I believe that it... It, I'm trying to think of the right word. It thwarts the power of God, I believe. I believe that it, it keeps God in a box where it says, you know, God could probably do those things, but he doesn't. Whereas continuationism believes Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Jesus is still in the business of healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually, spiritually, relationally, Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles, and he wants us to participate with him in those miracles, okay? So that's your lesson today. I want to just say, I believe with all of my heart, Jesus still heals today. And I can tell you why I believe that. First of all, because I have been healed physically. I may have shared this story with you, but I'm old, and I forget, and so you just have to hear it again. (laughs) It's still amazing to me. Okay, so years and years ago, right after I became a Christian, I was a cessationist. I believed that these things had passed away. I didn't believe that Jesus still did these things today. It wasn't that I was opposed to it. I just had never seen it. I went to a church service and the pastor got what's called a word of knowledge. And a word of knowledge means that you understand or you know something that there is no possible way you ever would have known that had the Holy Spirit not spoken it to you. So it's not like you walk in and you kind of perceive something because you're basing it on what someone said. It's a spiritual, it's a supernatural gift. It's called word of knowledge. And I've seen this Happen many, many, many times. And sometimes it may have happened to, to some of you where you're like, whoa, well, whoa, well, yeah, I don't know how I knew that. I just knew it. Someone will be like, oh, how did you ever know that? You're like, I don't know, <laughs> just Jesus? <laughs> okay, so there's word of knowledge. Well, this pastor was speaking out of Isaiah 40 and all of a sudden he said, there's someone sitting right over here, which is where I was sitting. And he said, I believe that the Lord wants to heal you somewhere between your knee your knee and your hip. I don't know what, what's going on. I don't know the nature of your injury, but you have an injury somewhere. Well, I had been suffering so much with a hamstring injury. I got it from um, playing volleyball in college. I had torn it, and then I tried to dry dock start off the beach on a water ski, which was not a good idea, and I shredded it. And I was in so much pain, I could not sit for longer than 10 minutes without having to get up. I mean, I was, I was in constant pain. I couldn't run. I could barely walk. And I was young at the time. And I, I just, I suffered with this. So when this pastor is saying, someone here has an injury in your right leg between your hip and your knee, my heart started to pound. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And all of a sudden he said, We're going to lay hands on you and pray over you. And so I was so excited until I realized that the woman behind me had raised her hand. And so everybody was laying hands on her and praying over her. I was so disappointed. I felt so overlooked. I was really sad until the pastor went back to his speaking and then he said, wait, I, I think the Lord is saying there's some, someone else. And I was like, I was not going to wait. I raised my hand so dang fast. <laughs> and then at that point, he said, he said yeah, we, this is, this is what, the, what the Lord was speaking to me about. And so they laid their hands on me and they prayed over me. Okay, now, again, I'm this girl who's raised in a church where we did not believe in that stuff. And so as soon as that service was over, I got out in that parking lot and I sprinted. Across that parking lot, for the first time in years, I was able to run with no pain, and I never had pain after that. It, it was never is never an issue. Woo yes so I want to ask again, why would the Lord tell us to pray for healing if he didn 't want us to get healed there 's another story it 's a really sad story, but um, it has a happy ending. But um, Chris that was up here, I asked for permission. Chris and Amy, um, they've been with us since the very beginning. And their son, when he was about three years old, is that right? Three years old. Amy, is that right? Two years old. He was two years old. He was at our house. And... Um, a hose had broken off that had this bottle with hydrochloric acid in it. And he sucked on, he thought it was like a juice box. And he took a big gulp of hydrochloric acid and it burned his esophagus. And he had to be life lighted up. I can't even talk about it without getting emotional. He had to be life lighted up to primary children's hospital. And they gave him very, very small chance of first of all surviving. And then second of all, of being completely normal. They, they basically said, this is never going to happen. Hydrochloric acid, imagine, in a two-year-old's esophagus and in his stomach. But Isaac, while he was in the hospital, and he will still say this today, and he tells his kids at school that Jesus healed him. And he says he had a visitation from Jesus, that, Jesus, that he saw Jesus. Because he was put in a, in a coma. He was, put, he was in a medically induced coma. But the Lord healed him. Healed him completely. Amen? God still heals today. There's another story. Um, this was actually my late husband, Eric. He, um, there was a, a pastor from Utah whose little daughter had such a high fever that she lost her hearing in one ear. And so they, they took her up to Primary Children's Hospital. And um, Eric went up there. And he prayed over her. And um, so she was deaf because of this fever. And after he prayed for her, the Lord healed her. And she, her hearing was restored. And the doctors were like, we have no idea what happened. We have no idea why she can suddenly hear again. She was completely healed. So maybe these are all coincidences. It just, it's weird that it happened like right after we prayed. I think I find that strange. So I want to say it again. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of what? Faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, because of this, because of the prayer of faith, will heal. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you, what? May be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Why would this be in the Bible? Why would this be in the Bible if Jesus didn't still want to heal? Now, and I understand, theologically, some people say, well, the word healed here really just means the same word as salvation that they're going to be saved. But it is the same word as physically healed. It is the word healed. Right? Theologians, not at me if I'm telling you the truth. Okay. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> Healing. Yeah. We're healed when we're saved. When when our souls are saved, when we are forgiven, we are healed. But we can also be physically healed. It says if you're sick. It doesn't say if you're not saved. It doesn't say if you don't know Jesus. It says if you're what? Sick. That means physically impaired in some way, okay? So here's one more. Um, I just want to say this really awesome quote I heard this week. I love this. It says, faith sees God, and God sees faith. Now, don't ever put your faith in your own faith. You know, there was the faith movement years back. I don't even know if they're still touting the same stuff, but they're like, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed. I think I have told you guys that story of that guy who was in prison. Um, He, he became a Christian in prison and he, he wore like these really thick glasses and everybody's like, if you have enough faith, when, as soon as you have enough faith, then break your glasses. He said he walked around for the next six months with duct tape on his glasses, (laughs) but, but he was putting too much faith in his faith You see, we can't put our faith in our own faith. We put our faith in Jesus. Understanding Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one who decides. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God knows everything, and we don't. Can we just agree on that? Any of you know everything? Any teenagers? (laughs) We don't know everything. God knows everything. And if he chooses to, to heal us, we will be healed. But I think this is where we get messed up, don't we? When we ask and ask and ask and we believe and believe and believe and then we don't get healed. Right? Isn't that a confusing message? It's like, Lord, I really thought that you told me you were going to heal me. And I think what happens is we stop praying for people because we're like, I've prayed for people and they've just gotten worse. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's true. It can happen, you know. You pray and pray and pray and believe and believe and believe. But that's why our hope can't be in, in the healing and our hope can't be in our own, our own desire for the healing. Our hope is in the Lord all day long and we trust him that he knows best. He knows what is right. But if he is going to tell me to pray for healing, I am going to obey. I am going to do it because I've seen it enough times where when he decides to heal, there will be healing. Amen. Amen. I also, um, there's another story I may have shared with you, but I love this story. Um, a friend of mine was pastoring and, and he said that they did, he, he taught on healing and this was the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And And this woman came forward. They were praying for healing. And someone prayed over her and said, you'll be healed by Thanksgiving. And she was like, yeah, because this is Sunday and Thursday's Thanksgiving. So she was so excited. Thanksgiving came and went, and she wasn't healed. And she was ticked. She was ticked at God. So she didn't go to church the next week. She's like, hmm, I'm not going. The following Sunday, she went back to church, and all of a sudden, the pastor was talking about thanksgiving, giving thanks. And she remembered the word. You will be healed by thanksgiving, by giving thanks. You will be healed by giving thanks. You know, I just just prayed with someone between services, and And um, this woman was just saying, I don't know, I don't know what, why God won't heal me. And I don't know what he wants me to do. And I I keep asking him, what do you want me to do? Why do you want, what, you know, why won't you heal me? And I said, you need to stop. I said, what you need to start doing is saying, God, I don't understand. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, but I trust you. I thank you. I believe you are good. I believe you are faithful. I believe that you have healing in your hands. Instead of asking these questions, because we do ask questions. We wonder about things. We don't understand things. And it, and, it, and it paralyzes us sometimes, doesn't it? From believing that God is still good and God still longs to heal. Just like this story of this woman. Jesus wanted to heal her. And don't you know that Jesus knew her? He knew her condition. He knew she had been suffering for 12 years. And he's like, go in peace. She told him the whole story and he's like, go in peace. It's like Laura was saying, you know, she probably did a lot of things wrong in the midst of that. But yet, God says, go in peace and be healed. Enjoy your healing. And I also believe that this applies to our emotional healing as well. I believe in Psalm 147.3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted." And he binds up their wounds. I don't think those are just physical wounds, I think those are emotional wounds. And it says, By his wounds we are healed. There's so much in the Bible that talks about healing. And there are so many people in here and out there that are brokenhearted. You're disappointed with God. You don't understand God. You don't understand his timing. You don't understand why he hasn't seemed to have heard your prayer. You don't understand why he didn't heal that relationship or heal your brokenness or heal your memories or heal things that have been done to you. And you don't get why. And, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Some people get so Deep in their depression and their anxiety and their despair, that they they think the only solution is to take their own life. And you know the governor the governor um, sent a letter to the spiritual all the spiritual leaders and said, please be talking about this. September is Suicide Awareness Month, and you know there's always the big debate. Can a Christian who commits suicide go to heaven? People are always asking, is that, I mean, this has been debated for a long time. And all I can say is this. All I can say is what I know for sure is that God is good. I know that God is merciful. I know God is compassionate. And he's forgiving. And murder is not the unpardonable sin. Suicide is murder. Don't make any mistakes about that. The taking of a life is murder. Taking of your own life is murder. But I would hate to stand before Jesus face to face and have that be the thing. That I murdered myself. That I took my own life. That I got so hopeless and so deep in despair that i could find no other solution and i urge you i implore you if you are struggling with thoughts like that if you are having thoughts of taking your own life please don't you will not relieve people i know that's the lie is oh if i if i wasn't here things would be so much easier for everyone that is a lie from the pit of hell From the enemy who wants to kill you. He wants, and he's thinking, I'll let them do it themselves. I'll just lie to them to the point where they're going to end their own life. It is never the solution. Ever, ever, ever. And there is hope in Jesus, and Jesus wants you to go in peace. He wants you to be healed. Please, if you are suffering with suicide, please talk to someone about it. Please tell someone, someone, a a close friend, your spouse, one of your siblings, a a trusted counselor, one of us, please do not go down that path. I mean, I look around and I see many of you have been impacted by the death of a, a loved one, the suicide of a loved one. And I know you agree. It's not the solution, never the solution. I just feel like we should pray right now. I I really want to pray for you. Father God, you know the hearts of all these people, Lord. You know every single person in here, and you know their pain. You um, You know the depression, Lord. You know the level of anxiety and hopelessness, and Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would heal the brokenhearted and you would bind up their wounds, Lord, that you would visit us this morning with your mercy and hope. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would send a spiritual awakening. Send your healing power. Lord, there is healing in your wings, and I just cry out for that right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mark 5 The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You've been healed. Go celebrate. Enjoy it. And that's, I believe the heart of hit of Jesus today for us is that He wants us to go in peace. And I'm going to talk about a couple of things that, that can prevent that peace. They can hold us back from really embracing that and walking in that. And one of the things are words. You know the Bible says that our tongue has a power of life and death. It can bring wounds death, or it can bring healing, life. It says in Proverbs twelve eighteen, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. tongue The, the tongue of the reckless, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. There are many of you, many of us in here, and we have been wounded, deeply wounded by things people have said, either flippantly or intentionally. Curses people have put on us, lies people have spoken against us or to us. I'm I'm being mentored by a woman, and one of the books that she asked me to read was called Redeeming How We Talk. And in this book, it, it talks about this young man who is a gifted, gifted artist. And he Every time he would start to succeed in his ventures in art, he would he would um, kind of, he would sabotage himself, I guess you'd say. He would never get to the next level. He would never allow himself to succeed. And then he finally went and talked to this pastor. And the pastor said, talk to him about things that were spoken over him as a child. And it turns out that this young man's dad said what the heck are you thinking? Come on, you got to get your head out of the clouds. You're never going to make it as an artist. There's no way you can see. You you can't make a living with that. And that resonated in that young man's brain, even though he was an incredibly gifted artist. But once he exposed that and identified that, the power of that was broken in his life. And sometimes we are held so far back from our potential because of lies and curses and reckless words that have been spoken over us. And I believe today the, the Holy Spirit is here saying, I want to heal you. I want to bring you healing. I want to bring you freedom today from the lies, from the curses, from the reckless words. You know, my dad, <clears throat> um, growing up, my dad was was pretty much absent he was a really important person he was the president of the state principals association he was the mayor of our community he was the principal of the high school he was a you know really busy guy so he wasn't around very much and even though he loved me I didn't always feel like he loved me Um, but my dad has dementia and you know people can go one of two ways with dementia, either they can become very sweet or they can become very angry. He has become extremely sweet and kind and loving. And every time he sees me, he says, "Jody, I don't even have the words to tell you just how much I love you. I just can't even tell you how special you are to me. And I'm telling you guys, years and years and years of wounding gone with those healing words affirming words from my dad and I I believe that the spirit of the living God is here today to speak the same to you to say I can't even show you and tell you enough how much I love you how much I want to heal you Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, The fool gives full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know, some of you have grown up in homes where there was anger, there was rage, there were words that were just spewed out at you, and they have damaged your soul. And Jesus is saying today, I have healing in my wings. I have healing for you. As Isaiah 61 This is what we are called to do. I believe this is what we as a church and as individuals and as families are called to do. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to the suffering. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. Freedom, healing to captives and freedom to prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn that he may be glorified. I I believe with all of my heart, I am a continuationist and I believe Jesus has healing available. And even if you've cried out and you've asked the Lord again and again and again, Keep knocking, keep asking, keep trusting, keep hoping, keep believing, but put your hope in him. I believe that he wants to bring relational healing. I believe that there are relationships that have been severed, maybe because of some of these issues, because of the anger or because of the curses or because of some of these things. But I believe that God is calling us to be a people of grace. And I'll tell you, Adventure Church, if we have a reputation for anything, I want our reputation to be that we are people who love. We love God deeply and we love other people without strings attached without conditions, without making people jump through a bunch of hoops, well, I'll accept you. Just like Chase was saying earlier, he never tells his kids, hey, as soon as you get this to-do list taken care of, then I'll love you. No. God wants to pour out his love on us and he wants to pour out love through us to other people. I am resolved to love people with no strings attached. And I, and I, I can confess to you that that I have not been a person who has done that easily. And I, I am repenting before you, and I've repented before God and said, God, I don't want to have any account. I want to have a short memory with people that have wronged me, people that have hurt and rejected and abandoned and damaged me in any way. I, I don't want to have anything against anyone. And that's what I want our reputation as a church to be, is that we love people deeply from the heart, like it says in the Bible. Proverbs twelve sixteen says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. We are going to be insulted. We are going to be offended. And we live in a generation where it's become people's religion to look for ways they can be offended, right? Everybody wants to be offended. Everybody's got something they're offended about, right? Everything's got to be politically correct and, oh, that offended me. It's like, get over it. Oops. (laughs) Sorry. That was my Tourette's. (laughs) Get over it. Seriously. Overlook an offense. Forgive in the same way you've been forgiven. Can you do that? Or are you going to be a petty person? It's between you and Jesus. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying that this is just, oh, we'll just, I know you were abused for 15 years. Just get over it. I'm not saying that. But be in the process. Be in the process. Proverbs 17, 14 says, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. You know those people who have the gift of like poking you in the chest? Oh, you want to fight? Oh, you want to fight? You know? Don't be that guy. Okay? Tell the person next to you, don't be that guy. You're not doing it. I understand. Okay. (laughs) We are called to build others up. We are called to prefer others. We are called to put away our own agenda and love others deeply from the heart. That is what we are called to. And now I'm going to address wives. Okay? Okay? Proverbs 14:1. The wise woman builds her house. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. There is a syndrome, and, and I'm not trying to be a sexist. I just think women tend a little bit more easily to give in to bitterness. I think maybe because we have better memories. <laughs> and I think maybe we are a little more emotionally driven. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, to stare. Don't be offended, okay? <laughs> I just told you that. Get over it. But I, I do think that that wives tend to hold a record of wrongs against their husbands. I think it's really easy for us to get offended and get... Snippy, especially during certain times of the month. And I just want to say, don't do that. Don't forgive your husband. Stop trying to change him. Stop trying to correct all of his little things. Now, if he is a Christian, then the Bible is clear it says, if your brother sins, go to him and show him his fault. If he listens, forgive him. If not, go take two or three. You know, you have to follow that same pattern. But once is confrontation, okay? Twice is nagging, okay? Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore, okay? Don't be offended, I sang Frozen, okay? Let it go do not hold other people to a standard you don't want to be held to okay it says in proverbs 31:12 she brings him her husband good not harm all the days of her life okay husbands you're off the hook for today congratulations women <laughs> this it's our thing more than men Men, you've got your own things, okay? We'll, we'll leave you alone for today. But this is the human condition. If you are prone to bitterness, if you are given to bitterness, if you find yourself annoyed or, or avoiding people or whatever, work through whatever you have to work through to have a clean conscience before the Lord. Proverbs fifteen thirteen: A happy heart makes a face cheerful, but heartache crushes a spirit. Can we be people that have happy hearts? You know it's not a sin to be happy. Did you know that? Actually, the Bible says we're supposed to. We're supposed to be blessed. That's happy. Despite our circumstances. And in the ancient church, during like the sign of the peace, you guys, ha, ha, anybody been to a church where they do the peace of the Lord and be with you? It's kind of a religious thing now, but, but back in the ancient church, they would stand up there and they would say, have anyone aught against another? They would stand up in church and basically say, does anybody have any issues with anybody else? Because if you do, we're going to deal with it right now. <laughs> How would you like that if I did that? <laughs> have anyone ought against another. Anybody? Volunteers? <laughs> because they took the Bible seriously where it says, if you have something against someone else and you come to worship the Lord, it's like, don't even do that take care of business, get rid of your bitterness, forgive, overlook an offense, work through forgiveness. I'm not saying you weren't sinned against, you were sinned against, okay? Let's just get that out of the way. You were sinned against in a lot of ways. We've all been sinned against, but we are called to let it go, okay? So I think Jesus wants to say to us today, go in peace. You can't go in peace if you have angst against another, if you have issues with someone else, if you're constantly thinking of how they wronged you, if you're rehearsing it in your mind. First of all, when you rehearse that thing in your mind, first of all, it's digging a deeper rut. And second of all, you're probably rewriting history. You're probably making it worse than maybe it was. And I'm, not, I'm really not trying to trivialize deep and, and serious abuse. And if you're in a physically abusive relationship, I'm not saying just stay there and suck it up. Get help. Do not keep allowing yourself to be physically abused, okay? Anybody. I'm talking about husbands. I know I've known women who have abused their husbands physically. Talking about wives. I'm talking about children. Get help. But go in peace and be healed and we're going to sing another one more worship song this morning, and then we're going to have a time of prayer, and I want you to really open yourself up as we're worshiping, and really invite the Holy Spirit to highlight some things that he's been speaking to you about, despite anything I've said. You know, we do pray, every week we pray that you would have an encounter with the living, breathing God, and and no matter what, goes on up here or around you the Lord wants to speak specifically to your heart about whatever issues of healing you have I know that there are those of you who are hopeless you feel like you've gone too far you feel like there's no possible way God could forgive you for whatever that's a lie he's forgiving no matter how far you've gone down the road it's only one step back to reconciliation with Jesus One step back, it's a turning and saying yes.